0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 213 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. Today, we'll be discussing T.J. Dillashaw's unexpected retirement, Dustin Poirier's staph infection, Edmund Shabazian's decision to get away from his toxic camp, and we'll be previewing select fights from UFC 282 and more. But first, I need to know if you plan on paying for your interviews.
2: Man, motherfuckers need to pay me. You understand? (laughs) I don't play that shit. That's not how this is going to (laughs) go. If you're missing the reference, folks, um, I don't know how. I don't know how at this point, if you're listening to us and you're in this ecosystem, you should know about the debacle that was the... Dana White and Patty Pimblett quote unquote interview, that little combo that they had for their little Winky Dink podcast, and uh the shots that were fired in the direction of Ariel Hawani. Um Hawani responded with an hour plus long video that was actually I mean, I I don't <laughs> Okay. It sounds petty given the length, but I, I think I think he acquitted himself rather well with that and uh it it's it's just we could have an entire episode based exclusively off this whole situation alone. There really is a lot to parse there, but it, it's, it's just an ugly mess. You know, people people shouldn't be talking shit about each other this freely. I don't believe at least have some facts in your pocket if you're going to do that.
1: Yeah, indeed. And you're right. Ariel did acquit himself well there. You know, you can say what you want about Ariel, but in this particular instance, there was nothing wrong on Ariel's side. As a matter of fact, I feel like he kind of got Shia LaBeoufed a little bit, because if we go back in our memory palaces to the summertime, when um, Don't Worry Darling was getting ready to come out. There was this big controversy, this this scandal, if you will, that Olivia Wilde, she had told everybody that she had fired Shia LaBeouf from her movie. Well, he comes out and he immediately on social media releases audio and video messages of her that she sent to him, ba- basically begging him not to leave her production. This-
2: don't, don't try to make me feel sympathy for Shia, though. Come on, man
1: this struck me in the same sense though it 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 felt like that it felt like ariel had to come out with the the actual voicemails to to clear his name because you have the dog pile going on over there with dana and patty and you know that comes out. Ariel doesn't release that that voice message, and guess what Ariel's getting dragged relentlessly mm-hmm. by not just Dana, the president of the u f c and Patty pemlet of a, a very high profile fighter. All the fans are gonna start doing the same thing, so i I feel like he was absolutely justified in defending himself people there there were a few naysayers oh, he shouldn't have done that. He should have just been quiet. No, he
2: shouldn't yeah. have. No. And, and these people would say that. They should know better. But side note, Shia, I'm not a big fan, especially not after he did that movie where you had to play a Mexican cholo gangbanger as if somehow there was a shortage of Mexicans in Los Angeles. No, they had to get him to play that part. I it just, just why are you doing this? You you didn't need to make that trash movie, buddy. Why? Why? <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we are going to move on into our first news story. And earlier this week, TJ Dillashaw retired. And it was so weird because the way I found out was the the roster watch Twitter posted up that he had been removed from the roster and from the rankings. And I was like, what? I had to do a double take. I could not believe my eyes could have knocked me over with a feather. But yeah, um his manager Tiki Gossin, came out and said, "Yep, he's retired." And he he said that he uh didn't feel like he could compete like a man with his shoulder the way that it was and blah 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 and he was he was just done. He was going to retire. Now, all the fighters out there in the division, I mean, it wasn't even just fighters in his divi- division. There were fighters all over from the UFC and otherwise, kind of throwing in their their two cents on this. And a lot of accusations were made. And I'm going to quote a few of them. For instance, Ricky Simone. So by him, quote, retiring, he gets to exit the USADA testing protocols. I bet he comes back after a full recovery and he's got the... Uh, shot needle emoji and the snake emoji which cracks me up but to this day dillashaw the snake always makes me laugh but then we get chris curtis the action man here so we are all against competing while on peds but how do you guys feel about somebody purposely removing themselves from the pool to use them to heal from serious injury is this cheating is it unsportsmanlike And then you have Aljamain Sterling. I wish Dilleroids a speedy recovery. I don't want any fellow colleagues to have long-lasting physical damage. Whatever he needs to do to get back to 100% is fine in my book. Just know a second smoke session will always be here waiting for him. And then we get to Henry Cejudo's take. And I was quite surprised with how mature and adult His take was, I could not get over this, but he had this to say, is TJ Dillashaw really retired? The first thing that comes to mind was, which I don't think he's dumb enough to do, is that maybe he got busted again, but I don't think that's the case. I think TJ Dillashaw is getting surgery again. I do believe that's true. And I don't think he wants USADA knocking on that door every other week. Guys, it gets annoying. As much as I love USADA, it's a lot of tests, you guys. It takes a lot of time and effort and time away from your family. So me automatically thinking TJ Dillashaw's retiring, I think it's just a thing to get him out of there and not get tested by USADA. I agree with you, TJ Dillashaw. They're probably taking blood every single time and that stuff is just not cool. He is one of the greatest bantam waves of all time, but I just think that ask that asterisk of him, now you start to wonder if this dude was always fair, if he was always clean and honest. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know. It's hard for me to compliment TJ, especially when he only lasted 32 seconds with me. I think that sums it up in a nutshell how a lot of people are looking at this, that yeah, he's probably pulling himself out of the pool so that he can heal up. I mean, Conor McGregor's doing it right now. I don't know if I like the, the this loophole that is here, as long as the rules uh, against performance enhancing drugs are in place. I don't know if I like this. If they weren't in place, I would not care. But since we actually have the rules, I mean, I do think it's a pretty big loophole I understand why he's doing it and I I don't know how I feel. I I hate the the whole USADA experiment to begin with. So maybe I'm kind of um, a little elated that somebody's getting away with something and with this stupid, very lopsided system that they have, I hate the fact that the UFC pays USADA to monitor their athletes. Long and the short of this, I think that Suhudo has a very, very mature take on this, and we kind of all have a good idea that Dilly is probably going to come back after he's all healed up. Victor?
2: I did find it a bit surprising that he didn't have—I didn't see really any signs of support for him. Mm -mm. I saw mostly just a lot of people, you know, a lot of the good riddance brigade coming out here, and I've never seen— not maybe since John Jones at UFC 151 I have not seen that kind of vitriol and and just so much invective launched at one guy like that in in this particular manner um it's a shame clearly I mean this is a guy who is an all-time uh star and someone who never you know he he did get some respect he had some incredible performances he he hit the uh he reached the mountaintop he got the belt um I just I just kind of I just think you know you you do have a lot of what ifs, but at the same time, you kind of look at him and think, yeah, you know what's probably for the best. He's probably here's a guy who's been wrestling since what since he was maybe ten or something like that. He's been training and wrestling and cutting weight and doing all this stuff, putting himself through the grinder for so long. It probably just gets tiresome, you know, and if his shoulder is, in fact, Going to be that jacked up from here on in, if now it's at a point where it's basically being held together with, I don't know, kitchen twine and, and just some, some spare nuts and bolts that are partway rusted, maybe he should walk away. Maybe he's made his, his, his enough uh, enough money, and uh, as Max Holloway said, right, he's got to take care, he's got to count his chickens and watch his mentals. And if that's where he's going with it, if he just feels that his body probably can't take the rigors of hanging with the elite at this level and being able to perform in a manner that will allow him to continue his success and, in fact, will put him in compromised situations where all he's going to do is get his ass beat, yeah, that's not a gamble you want to take. You might as well just, you know, like like Giles said, go home and be a family man.
1: You know, Yuri Prohaska, it was revealed during... Uh, Patty Pimlet's interview with Dana White that Yuri Prohaska's shoulder injury sort of was mimicking what Dillashaw had and that they tried to actually put his shoulder back in place when it slipped and Mm -hmm. that his team did more damage than if they'd left it alone and just taken him to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So now Yuri is out for probably a year or more with an injury very similar or maybe identical to what uh, Dillashaw had.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and that's, Dana called that one the worst one that he'd ever seen. Although I don't know if he's familiar with how bad Dillashaw's was, but, uh, none of that is great news. I mean, sure. he, He managed to give Yuri praise for, um, you know, relinquishing the title and everything, but, uh, I I, this this is this is different this is someone who doesn't have the belt and yet you know you have that cloud over you and it's going to hang over him forever and who knows how many people have cheated in different ways how many people have done way worse than Dillashaw did uh, with the with the doping and all that and yet he's the one who's getting all this heat that's that's crazy to me that's just like all right I I I It seems a tad unfair in a way. Like, I don't want to give the guy too much sympathy because I don't think he was... He was certainly very... um, He didn't seem very contrite.
1: For sure. I just think that the system is already so messed up. Yes. uh, I kind of feel like if somebody can exploit a loophole that's already there and get away with something that's beneficial to them well you know what it's on the UFC and USADA to fix the loopholes and they're clearly not doing it because I kind of feel like they that loophole is left there for situations like Conor McGregor but I mean
2: I just I do feel like not so much that I feel bad I just kind of feel that there is a tinge of hypocrisy here because if this mm-hmm. would have been John Jones yeah with his history not just of failing drug tests now i don't mean just like failing for cocaine which we're not supposed to be testing for in the first place i don't give a shit about that that's his personal life that's between him and you know his family and the people that got to deal with him in his personal life in that sense because it's harming only him and no one else um in terms of like having some sort of competitive advantage i don't feel like that's that big a deal and i i don't I don't want to judge him too heavily based on simple drug use as a, as a one you know as, as what we consider the victimless crime scenario right um as long as he's not overdoing it of course but had this been John Jones with his history of drunk driving and f- situations outside of fighting and the domestic violence accusations and the all of this stuff I don't think he'd be getting the kind of the kind of the, attracting the kind of heat that Dillashaw's was attracting on the way out. And it just it, I just find that a little strange, you know. I just don't. There's there's people that have been doing so much worse, and yet they get all this praise. And yet, here's this one guy who I mean, what was the, the worst thing they did was what, EPO? Yeah. I mean, the, the, that and going a little too hard with tension when they sparred that one time, or was it Takiro? I can't remember who he was sparring with at that point. That's how fried my brain is right now. But other than that, well, oh, oh, the snake in the grass, like, oh, whatever, dude. Like he would like like you wouldn't take that opportunity to get paid. What was rumored to be somewhere between 50 to 100 grand to go trade in Colorado with your mentor, Dwayne Ludwig, instead of having to sell protein bars at Alpha Male. Are you really sure you wouldn't have taken that deal? This whole snake in a grass bullshit is going to follow him forever, too. That's another weird thing. But, I mean, again, like that's it, – it's just some things stick to people and other things don't and somehow – I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just his personality—him not being a very charismatic guy, maybe not being that outspoken, uh, maybe not somebody that's always been in the spotlight, so people can get more um, more time to fill in certain gaps with what they see and what they don't. I, I'm not—I don't know where that lies, but it just—it it just doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. I don't like that too much.
1: Yeah, I'm with yeah. you right there, a hundred percent.
2: You know, speaking of things that do not taste good, let's talk about staph infections.
1: <laughs> oh yes, indeed.
2: God. The only thing that spreads more than gossip in an MMA gym anywhere in the world, staph infections. And as you may know by now, Dustin Poirier has had the mother of them. I'm talking about this boy's foot looked like it was about to give birth to Kuwato. This thing is – I mean it, it looked like a regulation-sized football. I mean it really looked like uh, – you know, like like I don't know, name a football player. Reggie Bush was gonna jump out and snatch it and run somewhere. I don't know. Well I, I, I ran out of jokes. Point is
1: uh It looked he bad is now <laughs> it yeah, bad. Well, That's the now, point.
2: He's now out of the hospital. Uh, he's been given enough of an antibiotic treatment and um sufficient medical care to be able to go home and uh you know basically heal off. But he was looking pretty bad there for a minute. And we've seen horrible staph infections. Hell, we mentioned Kevin Randleman, I think it was last week. <laughs> Is his ability to literally shove a softball into the side of his chest because the amount of gauze that he had to stick in there, by Kevin's own admission, was about the size of a softball back then. That's another set of stories for another time. But let's focus on Dustin. He was uh, he was he was hospitalized, as we mentioned, and he was out giving updates as to his condition. Uh, things were not getting great, and he got a message or he got a a, a tweet from the one and only conor mcgregor who said and i quote heal up scruffy knickers i don't know maybe that just kind of hits different in ireland but i guess yeah i guess that's what he had so uh dustin is of course not a guy who's known for just rolling over stuff like this he said you done filming Royd house and ready to get slapped around again (laughs) i got to admit also (laughs) then they're not they're not dealing their best they're not this beef these days they're not making it the same <laughs> uh, McGregor decides curiously enough to double down <laughs> instead of deflecting in any way he says, yeah, I'm in Amsterdam, Jack like Van Dam uh <laughs> Parentheses, Van Dam was not Dutch, but that's neither here nor there. Oh. Continuing, you weren't just hurt, pal. You were scared, hurt. Don't forget it. I'm coming back to put you in a box full of it. I'm sending you off this earth permanent. Stay <laughs> waiting for the roadhouse as well, pal. You and the missus will love it. Okay, why does he keep including this dude's wife in there? This He started this shit with Khabib, and it didn't go great. He's doing it now with Dustin. Didn't go great. How are you going to say that this dude is scared of you when he knocked you the fuck out? But I digress. (laughs) Because because here comes a new challenger, Nate Diaz, out of the frikas, and said, you both get knocked out all the time. (laughs) So you would think that at that point, you know, you're like, okay – you know what's free and available to me at this moment and maybe would be the best course of action to maintain everyone's last shred of integrity? Maybe we should log off. Oh, no, no, no. Not not Conor McGregor land. They didn't. This guy, he hopped on his horse and he started going for it again. He went at Nate and said, you too, but just for the weed. We build a weed company. Fuck the piss sauce. I give that tick at press comp. Why are we, why are we doing this? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I'm in Amsterdam. Like Saddam, I assume assuming he means Saddam. Rocking around Iran. ahaha, ha, Van Damme chop his head quick. Must... Folks, what the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing? This is the guy that ruins the joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything was fine, but he just had to one-up the thing and get the final word. He just had to go in there and chime in with that deal. When, when they kind of really... Had not only the the, the the funniest line of it all, but Dustin had already made the definitive statement here, not just with his words, but kind of with the context, right? Understanding and knowing that they have a history in which he beat Connor twice. You say what you will about the injury. And, yeah, things weren't going that great for him in the first place. But OK, fine. That notwithstanding, I don't quite understand. I think the bigger question is, and I'm glad that Dustin's out of the hospital. I'm glad that he seems like he's on his way back to uh, recovering his health in, in the best form possible. Right, I'm, I'm happy for that. But what the hell? What I think the real, the real sad thing, and the real problem, is the manner in which McGregor continues to respond to this. And now he's not even typing in words. Now he's just plugging stuff in. It's like he's just bashing the phone with his with the palm of his hand, and autocorrect is just going out there typos and all, like, I mean, not spelling Saddam correctly, which I can kind of, yeah, yeah, but you think autocorrect would bail you out in that one. Steffi, what the hell do you make out of this thing? It's so magnificently stupid. And does this, I mean, has, has Connor finally really totally lost it when it comes to these things? Because he's just taking shots at people, lashing out in ways that don't make any sense, and yet it's never really in the spirit of, hey, let's fight again, or let's do this here and there. It's just For the sake of doing it because his ego is bruised. Do you think he's ever going to stop doing this sort of thing? And what would it take for him to
1: stop? Okay. He's not going to stop. Yeah. Period. End end of. He's not going to stop. There's no what would it take. Connor is just a very... For lack of a better term, he's an attention whore. So it's important to him to be the center of attention, the class clown, if you will. It's it's a big deal to him, you know? He's the first one to laugh at his own jokes. It's abundantly clear. So I don't think we're we're ever going to see him stop being Connor. That's just who he is. I got to point out a, a, a little funny headline because we're talking about how ridiculous this is and from for onlookers it's quite funny it's hilarious watching connor make a fool of himself and dustin owning him but owning him in a way that is almost as as silly you know dustin got the better end of that exchange but the whole exchange was kind of dumb there's another headline out there, and Victor, I just got to know, because it's driving me bonkers that nobody's really picked up on the absolute hilarity of just the headlines. So I'm going to read this to you, and I need to know if you find this headline, just the headline, as funny as I do, because I laughed like an idiot yesterday for a good 10 minutes straight over this headline. So are you ready?
2: Mm-hmm. I think so. James
1: James Krause barred from event dubbed as James Krause's FAC-17 promotion denies (laughs) ties.
2: Okay, I didn't find that one as funny, and I'll tell you why. I do. And I, I think. <laughs> how, do,
1: how do you get how do you how do you get barred? How do you get barred from an event called James Krause's FAC Seventeen when yeah. your name is James Krause?
2: It seems to me like if you really wanted <laughs> strong plausible deniability, right? And this is just me putting on my my PR hat. Okay, you can just say, "Well, it was meant as a tribute." <laughs> to someone who meant as much to this community and who's trained so many fighters locally and that we care about a lot. That's why we had the name there. But but that's really all it was. See, you can get away with that. You might not buy it. I wouldn't buy it. But plausible deniability, right? You can be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to let you get away with it. I don't want to argue with you too much. I'm a little tired. Fine. like that. You can do that. You can make that work. And I don't really think that's as... As uh, uh, as uh, uh, egregious or <laughs> quite as bad, but yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of funny, you know. It's just the timing was was terrible. I mean, look, if that's the names that they have on the tickets and they still got to sell a few, you, you can't change it, can you? I'm <laughs> saying it's like yeah, I, yeah, I see
1: it. it took you a while to get there, though.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of contorting to do, you know. I'm trying to help you out, man. I'm trying to tell you what it would be. It's just.
1: It, it's there it's difficult it it's so difficult
2: be. i don't like it i really don't
1: there's nothing it could be i just think that's the most hilarious headline
2: that is james funny they Krause... really did they really did mess up on that one
1: yeah james Krause barred from a vet titled james Krause's fac 17
2: <laughs> and that's the kind of thing where like you know the head the headline alone would suffice but you just owe it to yourself to read more like nah hold on i gotta see how this bullshit even came to be you know, who in their right mind set this up? What statement was out there? Like you have, it inspires some form of curiosity. So it is low key genius. I got to hand it to him.
1: And then the, the the final nail in the coffin, promotion denies ties. You named yes. an event after him and now you're denying you had ties with him. Get he's, out of here.
2: You know, he's going to show up like, you remember Bobby Valentine at the Mets? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: He came, he snuck, he got ejected from a game. He snuck back in with a fake mustache. It oh. yeah, worked for him. He could do that. He'd just say, look, no one's going to ask no questions. Hey, ain't that him in the third row? Cut away, quick.
1: That's James Mouse.
2: <laughs> exactly. James Ma- Yo, that would be so dope if he shows up with, like, Mickey Mouse ears and a fake snout. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. That would be genius. Oh, not me. I'm James Mouse. Ho, ho. <laughs> Your bitch ass ain't catching me. Ho, ho. Oh, I'd be ecstatic. I would be thrilled. Jesus Christ. why? This is why... I'm sitting here wondering why the hell I'm broke. Like, guys, I got a wife, a kid, and a mortgage. Maybe not for much longer, but pay me. Pay me, and I will do this generous (laughs) PR work for you. I can make this happen. Let's get this bread.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we got treated last week to a phenomenal fight between Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. But that fight wasn't just phenomenal that night or the afterglow into Sunday. No, it keeps on giving gifts. And this gift is in the form of an interview with MMA Fighting. And I'm going to quote, this is from Stephen Thompson, by the way. It was kind of one of these unwritten rules we had going into this fight I know, <laughs> I know later on he was shooting he had a busted hand but i think i fell down in the first round and he let me back up now this is what he had to say in response to them asking why there wasn't much wrestling going on in the fight he continued on he told me in the first round i'm not taking you down All right, that sounds good to me. It was kind of one of those handshakes we had in the first round. Nobody was going to go down. He was telling me to slow down, and I was telling him I'm sorry the entire time. He was like, you got me good. I was like, I'm sorry, man. It was fun. He's hilarious. Whenever we headbutted each other, he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, man, it's okay. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. We had some fun conversations in there. We wouldn't have put on a good show if it wasn't for him as well. I appreciate Kevin, said Thompson. So, I love this. I love this unspoken handshake deal they had there in the first round. I love the fact that they have this little conversation going back and forth, and it was still very wholesome and good-natured. Last week, well, last show, we talked about Kevin Holland and Stephen Thompson and... I said that they were my favorite buddy cop movie right now, and they still are. Look at this. I just love this budding friendship with them. Victor, what do you take from that?
2: Okay, so I want to clarify something first. I absolutely despise the concept of unwritten rules and stuff like that. You hear that kind of thing in baseball all the time. Oh, well, you know, he, he violated this unwritten rule. Okay. number one, if it's not on paper, it's not really official, then it's not really a rule and you need to get over yourself. That is bullshit. Number two, um, you have an unwritten agreement situation that can turn south that can work against you. Remember Dan Hardy and uh, and and and, uh, Rumble Johnson, they had that unwritten agreement of not being not taking each other down. And, you know, when the fight wasn't really going Rumble's way, <laughs> he decided, yeah, I think that's done. And, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm not saying that anything. Look, it's all fair. This is MMA. That's the game. You want to go strike? and go kickboxing or go box. Like, I don't, you know, th- this whole deal to me is not appealing. However, there are always exceptions to things like this. Context is important. And in this situation, I really enjoyed the fact that at least it was them in the spirit of fun it wasn't like they were taking the whole, uh, you know, let's not take each other down thing, avoiding the ground thing too seriously. Because let's be real. I mean, both of them really – the meat and potatoes of their game is stand-up. Or the the bulk of, of their success in, so far in their career has come from what they do standing up. I don't see why that would be anything that would be surprising. And, again, it's not, it's not like they agreed on this backstage – which would raise some ethical questions, to, you know. I mean, the scandals regarding fight fixing, blah blah blah. Like, I'm glad it's not in that territory, right? And not this isn't one of those. It, this isn't one of those things where you you have some sort of shadow of impropriety or anything over. Oh, look, we're gonna go out there. We know what our Main thing is and what's most fun. So we're going to just go out and bang it out. And that was cool. I mean, it was just it's not any different from what certain guys do when they hate each other, when they swear they're going to knock each other out. This is just different because it was done in the spirit of some sort of fraternal, uh, I don't know, engagement and and uh, just You know, kind of busting each other's balls a little bit while while standing up and then kind of having these little in jokes and chilling. And I like that. I think the flow of that fight and the manner in which they were um, so both respectful and and kind to each other. Right. The fact that they were kind of laughing at each other. Hey, I got you. Yeah, you got me. You know, that kind of deal. And the bro hugs. I know a lot of people are sour about the bro hugs. I love them. I don't care i don't i i I know some people just cannot stand that shit. I think that's one of the one of the coolest things that can happen in a fight as a show of respect and that was all it was, man. This is all in the spirit of respect and i I think it was great. I don't know how much of this I really would care to see because it depends on who the participants are, but Wonder Boy is like the um he's like the spy kids. Of MMA, he'll fight a guy, and then the next thing you're, the next thing you know, they're they best friends. It's like in, in the next movie they're they are their buddies. So, um, yeah, I I think this is actually pretty cool, and it's funny considering who these two uh, guys are. It's it's one of the nicest guys in MMA against uh, one of the funniest guys in MMA, and someone who uh, is not known for being a terrible person as well. So I think it's pretty dope.
1: You know, you mentioned bro hugs and that you loved them. I'm one of the people, I'm the exact opposite. I hate that. I want them to go in there and beat the absolute tar out of each other. However, there are cases, though, where I'm willing to let it slide. It's crazy. Not everybody annoys me as equal measure when they do that. And when Kevin Holland and Stephen Thompson were doing it, it didn't bother me at all.
2: It's so weird. Yeah, but that's that's where I'm getting – that's why I mentioned my, what I said as far as you know the, the context being important, right? The, the fact that it depends on who it is and how they're doing it. When you're overdoing it, exactly. like every thirty seconds you're taking a break to hug, like are you masking the fact that you're tired or like what are we accomplishing here? Like that's not really you're not even finishing the game. I don't I don't really think what's, that that's the um, and that that's that's sort where of things start to get a little weird. But in this case, come on, man, it's fine. You're watching a fun fight anyway. It's not like it was a bad fight and they were taking frequent breaks. Nah, man, it was a banger. They were going after it and then they were kinda, you know, giggling with it. And I do not see a problem with that. I'd love to see more of that all across the sport, to be honest.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: Yes. So we are going to talk about another positive. Well, it's a little bittersweet. And uh yeah, I yeah. Well I guess we'll just dive right into it. Former top prospect Edmund Shabazian is not quite a prospect anymore. He's, I guess, something of a veteran. Uh, He is now going to be fighting this weekend. He is scheduled to uh, take part in the uh, preliminary portion of this card. Bit of a difference, though, this time around. This will be his first time fighting in the UFC or in MMA in general without the backing of Glendale Fight Club because he is no longer living in California. Turns out he packed a ball of shit. He drove all the way to Vegas. He set up his tent over there. Now he's been training and uh, working full-time with Extreme Couture, and that's not a bad thing. So uh, I'm not sure if Ronda Rousey is still his manager. I don't believe she is. However tell you who's not his coach anymore, Edmund Tarverian. Now, Shabazian did freely state there is no animosity, there is no no conflict with his former crew, but he just kind of felt that things were not going the way that they could have gone, and he decided that he was going to change his scenery and make things work for him in a different atmosphere. Quote, back when I was training in Glendale, I feel like my last couple of fights, it was a bit of a toxic feeling and stressful with my surroundings. I had to get away from that. That's one of the other reasons I got away from there. Now I have all the opportunity in front of me. Living in Vegas and living on my own, it's so good for me. I feel free mentally and physically. It's just been great. I guess toward the end, just not seeing eye to eye with coaches, it was stressful. But I'm happy things played out the way they did. Right now I'm surrounded by high-level guys, and it's all UFC fighters, high-level MMA fighters next to me. Getting work with them is amazing, and it's pushing me to my limits for sure. Okay. Um... He's now in a gym that is known as a world class facility that has world class guys that has some really, really uh, good staff, mainly uh, strength and conditioning coach Gil Guardado and, and wrestling coaches. Uh, I believe Neil Melanson might be back with them again, uh, or uh, not back with him. I don't know if he's, I don't know when he left, but the point is, he's got a great, solid backing. He's got a a a a, a, a much more uh, solid environment around him. And notice what he says here. I think it was very revealing that he said that you know now he's got high caliber sparring partners, UFC guys. Who was he sparring with at Glendale? I mean, it's yeah. worth asking, right? I mean, they don't have top-tier talent. The last top-tier guy that they had was probably who? Jake Ellenberger, and he was on a skid when he was with them. So it doesn't really seem like that. you know He didn't mean to take a dig at them, and I don't register this as a dig either. But it does say a little more than what he's leading on in terms of what his conditions were and what his surroundings were like. Now he's talking about having a further – a different kind of rapport with both his teammates and his coaches. He has maybe not so much input, but – a bit more clarity in what to do with his fight camp and how to improve and, and how to sharpen his tools. Uh, I love this for him. Personally, I think this should have happened way, way sooner. I think this should have happened at least two fights ago. And I understand not wanting to do a change horses midstream, as they say. I understand not wanting to uh, simply abandon, you know, leave the one that brought you. Just because he lost a fight. His first loss in the UFC was against Derek Brunson. That was his first professional loss. Now it was just, well, just over two years ago. But then he had losses against Jack Hermanson and Nasruddin Imovov, which again, UFC matchmaking not doing this kid any favors, hot shotting him after contender series, absolutely irresponsible. But his environment didn't help. The hype didn't help. And it's crazy because. I guess I got to take an obligatory shot at Dana here, but it's crazy how a guy who complains about carnies and mooks and and scabs and losers and and rubes, he's the biggest carny of them all. I mean, this is all it took a good performance, a good finish on contender series. And, and the fact that he's affiliated with Ronda. and you're immediately throwing him in there with Derek Brunson off the strength of, off the strength of of what? Three wins after it. Nah, man, come on. Well, let's say four actually. It was Darren Stewart, Charles Bird, Jack Marshman, and Brad Tavares, And then you throw him in there with Brunson, Hermanson, and Imaba. Like you, you, you can't do that. You can't just have him lose the way he did with Brunson and say, "Oh, I know Jack Hermanson, who was on fire at that point back in May of last year." I don't like it, but I get it. I understand. You know, scarcity, middleweight, but you could have handled that a little better. But hey. He's handling this way better now, and I don't exactly think that it's too late for him to make the turnaround. I don't know that I trust him in this um, upcoming bout against uh, Lungiambula, and Lungiambula is also another guy who's not exactly with the best training environment right now. But he's actually got a he's got an okay coaching staff with him. He's got some he's got some pretty decent teammates, and he is on a losing skid himself. It seems like this is the kind of setback that they want to give somebody in Edmonds' position, so it, it, they are taking it. Not so much easy, but there is some consideration. I just kind of wonder, do you think that it might be a little bit too late? Do you think he's a day late and a dollar short on this? Or can he make the turnaround to get to the point, not only to where he was expected to be, but to move further beyond past that?
1: I think that's the biggest question that needs to be answered, actually. I mean, is it too late? That's, That's the most important part of this story. I think it's also very telling that he used the word toxic. A couple of times there yes and i i just wonder what was going on over there if they put the brunt of uh carrying the gem on him since he's the biggest name there there's probably some other fighters there but low-level names and edmund being the uh the breadwinner over there i wonder what the toxicity was were they taking a lot of his money um we already know that uh Edmund had problems with the tax situation and everything else. <laughs> I have to, I feel like I have to apologize to our listeners. I've been under the weather for the past couple of days with some kind of a cold or the flu or whatever. I'm actually feeling my chest wheezing. What do you apologize with them for? Fuck them. I'm just, I feel sorry for them having to listen to this little slight wheeze coming from me. I hope hope it's not too distracting. But, anyways, we are going to move on here into UFC 282. But before we do, let's take a look back and see how we fared. And, Victor, you led the week. Three and two. Your Delize pick saved your Heine. You also picked Nicolau, who won, and Rafael dos Anjos. So you led the week three and two. I was right behind you at two and three. I did not pick Delize. I wish I had. And Mookie in dead last, one and four. The only one he got right was Rafael dos Anjos, but that card was filled with upset. So. We are into the standings and the official standings. Mookie is still in the lead, but only by four now. 131, 81, and three. I am right behind him. 127, 85, and three. Victor, you are still in this. 116, 96, and three. Because there's
2: no one else. There's three of us. Of course, I'm still in it. (laughs) By default, I don't know. Let me look behind me, see if anyone's there. Nope. Still clean.
1: Oh, it's time for UFC 282. I'm so sorry.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, hey, I mean, sure.
1: Oh, goodness gracious. All right, but we do have... I like this card. I don't think it was as good as well-matched as the one that we just saw this past weekend, but now that I'm looking at it again, it's not too bad. I still think it's like high-level fight night type fodder, but I mean... Okay, we do have that title on the line with Blahovitz and, and Ankhalayev, but other than that, it feels like just like a high end fight night card. I don't feel like the stakes are as high for any of the other fights outside of the main event, but there are some good quality matchups. And the first one being Billy Quarantillo taking on Alexander Hernandez. Man, this is a good, good fight right here. Mookie and I are taking Billy Quarantillo. How are you going, sir?
2: Hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, Billy, his last his last fight was at loss to Shane Burgos back in uh, November of last year. Um, I don't want to hold that against him very strongly, though, because Burgos is really, really good. And Billy... Uh, you know, Billy acquitted himself fairly well in a lot of those exchanges. He did a great job. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like he got run over there. So uh, you also look at the fact that Hernandez is coming off a loss, but that was to Moicano. Who Moicano want money? So you know, when when you're on that kind of when you're fighting a guy who's on that kind of streak, like it speaks well to them in a way. It's like those are good losses to have because you can't really judge them too harshly for that. Like, dude, you you lost to you lost to two guys that are you both lost to guys that are really 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 good. Um. Hernandez, probably more explosive with his striking and really good sprawls. Billy, probably a little more consistent down the stretch. Good gas tank and dogged uh, wrestling approach. I think I'm going to go with him too, but I feel like Hernandez might spoil the party there. You know what? No, no. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go with Hernandez just for funsies.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we are going to get to our next fight, and it is Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Topuria. Now, this right here, this is absolutely one of the best fights on the card. My personal favorite. This is my personal main event here. Now, I am taking Bryce Mitchell, but the the matchup is basically Ilya Topuria's hands Against Bryce Mitchell's outstanding grappling that is adapted so well for MMA. I mean, if anything is a neutralizer, it's Bryce Mitchell. However, one thing that should be noted is in that Edson Barbosa fight with Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barbosa was really able to hurt him by taking him out in the middle. So if Topuria can not headhunt and land some of those huge, heavy hands, to his midsection, his rib cage, et cetera. I think that he has a really good chance here, but I'm still going to take Mitchell and I believe Mookie is as well.
2: Oh, I can't ride with you on that. Okay. So, so Mitchell is a great grappler mostly because it's not strictly a jiu-jitsu game that he's got. It's more of a submission-oriented wrestling game, right? It's very drive-forward, double-leg, single-leg, run-pipe, all that good stuff, right? He can set up a couple of great trip takedowns as well, but that's not primarily how he gets things done, at least not in the most effective way, and Ilya will be ready for that. I feel like his striking is going to be enough of a nuisance and his takedown defense will be fresh enough that it will cause Bryce to counter problems. And Ilya understands the assignment. This guy is, he's very well trained and uh, he fights smart and that's why he seems to adapt so well to what other people do. So um, it's hard to look good against him and and I'm pretty sure he's going to put a stamp on that. So I'm going to go with Ilya.
1: All righty. Well, he certainly won the ab challenge. That's for sure. Oh, really? um, We, we definitely uh, can, Assume he's a a brighter bulb.
2: <laughs> oh, I see. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Next up, we have Darren Till, the return of the Brit. Darren Till taking on Dricus Du And I'm sorry. I got to take Du Plessis. I know Mookie has taken Darren Till. I have zero faith in Darren Till's ability. I think he was a, a bit overrated. I know he has nice technical boxing but I think he's still a bit overrated if he if he wins this fight I might want to reverse that but I'm going to leave my statement as is overrated right now as I see it I'm going to take Driku DuPlessis um and uh Mookie has taken Darren Till
2: oh no see I don't trust I don't trust Darren Till
1: yeah
2: I can't I just don't I I think he's had too much of this stuff going on Between inconsistency at middleweight and uh, the fact that he's just had all the stuff outside of fighting, I don't find it. I don't really think that's – look, and I don't want to be too hard on the guy, right? But the problem is that when he was at welterweight, right, when he was able to make the weight especially, even when he was struggling, he did fairly well. But he doesn't have the same sort of size and strength advantages anymore, and now he's been – which is the worst thing that can happen. I say it all the time. I think he's been figured out. I think guys have an idea what he comes in to do, what his setups look like. And when you get a guy like that and you don't give him the openings that he wants, what is he left with? What other tricks does he have in the bag? And it's not too late to teach him some new ones, but is he doing that? Is our children learning? I don't know, and I don't trust it. Meanwhile, you got Drikas, who is also explosive, who's also good at using his range. He only really gets hit super hard when he's in close, and the only time he's been knocked out is by Sol who... If you don't follow KSW, that man RoboCop was a – he is a menace. That man is a problem, okay? So being knocked out by that guy, that was a good loss because that dude is – is he really is that and he should be in the UFC. I don't know what the hell he thought joining with one championship, but I guess the money was better. Um, yeah, I I, I I i usually would go with uh, the stricter Muay Thai guy in a matchup like this one, but I can't do it here. I'm going to go with Drickus.
1: All right. Next up, we have Santiago Ponzinibbio. Was supposed to be against Robbie Lawler, but Robbie Lawler pulled out. So we have an excellent replacement in Alex Morono. But I feel that is a bit more than Ponzinibbio can chew. My goodness. What a replacement. Morono's is on a four-fight win streak. And, I mean, he's got good wins in this win streak, too. Let me read these off. Matt Simmelsberger, who hits like a Mack truck. Mickey Gall, eh, that's, you know, that's... But David Zawada, he's got the win over Donald Cerrone. He was last defeated in 2019. Uh, Anthony Pettis beat him. And then he's got the win over Riss McKee. Max Griffin, Zach Otto, Song Kanan, Josh Berkman. I mean, he's – I, I got to take Alex Morono here. There's no two ways around it. Mookie is also taking Alex Morono. Victor?
2: I don't know that I can hmm. – I, I hate doubting guys that are clearly as good as Morono is. I really think he has a lot of tools and a lot of potential, but I also look at the fact that Ponzinibbio, he's such a tough customer, man. You know, I don't know that that's. He's I don't know that I want to take.
1: Though. He's been struggling a lot.
2: He has, but I kind of feel like stylistically he might be able to do some. Ah, jeez, dude. I. I'm gonna stick with Nibbio on this one. All I. Right. I I know. Like I'll be happy to be wrong if if Morano wins because I really want to see him succeed. But I don't know that he's. I don't know that this is the moment for him to be able to take him out and do that
1: no worries got you down Santiago Ponzanivio. now we get to the co-main event Patty Pimlet probably going to charge Jared Gordon just to be in the octagon with him who you got
2: oh boy uh, I agree with Bisping that Jared Gordon is going to be a tougher uh, out than perhaps uh, Pimlet is expecting but I'm done picking against Pimlet with matches like this one I think he might be able to work from the clinch to get the takedown and really just start working that suffocating pressure and that super technical grappling to get the uh the submission threats that he needs to make this work. So um I I yeah, I I'm I'm going to go with Patty.
1: Smart money is on Patty and so Mookie and I are following the smart money. So mm. we're both picking Patty Pimlet. All right. Finally, we get to the main event. Big Jan Blahovich taking on Magomed Whew! What a banger. I want to take Blahovitz, but I think I'm going to take Ankulayev. You know, youth, strength, power, durability. I think it's all in Ankulayev's favor. Mookie is also taking Hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to go against that. I think that Jan still has the ability to frustrate someone like him. I mean, if he was able to dismantle the technical striking and the distance game that Adesanya has, I don't think he would yeah, I don't think it's too much of a stretch. I think he could do something similar here with Uncle Live. And sure, he comes at you with a little bit more of explosiveness and, and more of a um you know more of a tendency to sort of I don't he doesn't come out like he's been shot out of a cannon, but he closes the distance pretty quick. I I like seeing that out of him, but it's not something that Jan hasn't seen before, you know, so I kind of think he might be able to overcome
1: that. All right. Well, there you have it. Victor is going against the grain. You know, you could really do some work to catch up. And if if I pick enough fights next week for the last card of the year, I might even be able to give you an opportunity to to really catch up and get the win. Mm. What do you think?
2: I, I don't, I'm not putting any faith in myself on this. Sentence. So not, I, you, you, wait, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm terribly concerned with it. Would it be nice? Yeah. I mean, I guess so, but I mean, come on,
1: Look, come don't you on. Want what to are we really doing to here? all your friends in real life and say, look, I'm, I'm leading, I'm leading the level change podcast rankings. Yeah. You
2: know, I actually won this year in fix. I mean, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's real nice. Can you pass the gravy again? What you doing? here? <laughs> It's just like, that's not really going to be a big, you know, listen, I got my parents flying in this weekend. You think they're going to give a shit about none of this? Like, they'll just, you know, do the same thing. Even when I have like an actual accomplishment, they don't pay attention. They go, listen to this shit. <laughs> nah, come on, man. <laughs> they don't love me like that.
1: Oh my goodness. All right. On that fine note, do me a favor. Follow this funny guy on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. Follow him on his absolutely stunning Instagram. Victor Sinister Rodriguez, make sure you're following Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander and where he works, SB Nation's field goals website, because he is the managing editor there. So if you are a Seahawks fan, get over there. Victor and I both work for Bloody Elbow, so check out our work there. Do me a favor, listen to the pre-recorded outro where you can find out where you can listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow podcasts. So, until next time, please stay safe.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the 6th Round Post Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crookland's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money. Yes, Podcasts, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always on BloodyElbow.com.